Christmas. There are so many different ways that we show love to one another at this time of year. Maybe a thoughtful Christmas card, a present wrapped underneath the tree, or a plate of cookies. But this afternoon, we focus on the greatest display of love, the greatest gift, God's love to us in our Savior, born in Bethlehem. We'll follow the order of service as it's printed out for you in the worship folder, beginning with our opening anthem.
please stand. Beloved in Christ, in this Christmas season, it is our duty and delight to hear again the message of the angels and in heart and mind to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us, the Christ child lying in a manger. Let us read and learn in Holy Scripture the story of the loving purposes of God from the first days after our fall and into the birth and glorious redemption brought to us by this holy child. Let us hear how peace was lost and how peace is restored. But first, let us pray, for this is good and right. Heavenly Father, we pray for ourselves and all people who worship you and your Son this holy night. By your holy word, lead us to say with the angels, We pray for your blessing upon the people of our city, our state, our nation, and our world. We pray for the poor and helpless, the cold and hungry, the sick and sad, that you would give them the joy of your salvation and the comfort of your presence. We pray for unbelievers and enemies of the church, that through your law and gospel, you would lead them to recognize your Son as their only hope for eternal life. Finally, we remember before you all those who rejoice with us in heaven, who live in greater light and beauty than we, that multitude which no one can number, who died in faith and now praise you in your heavenly temple. We confess that we are united with them and with one another. We humbly offer up these prayers and praises in the words that Christ himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. What love God had for his creation, giving Adam and Eve a paradise to live in and to work and serve him there, yet they did not show him love in re return, rather sin and disobedience. Yet here in our first lesson from Genesis chapter 3, the first promise of the Savior, God's love. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is God's word.
Normally, when a child is born, we think of that child being born to the parents or into the family. But the way God shows his love for us here in Isaiah chapter 9, this child is born for all of us, a king to rule with peace over all. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is God's word.
Very often, a place has special meaning for us with someone that we love. Maybe the first date we went on, or the hospital where your first child was born. The Lord showed his love by telling his people where their Savior would be born, in Bethlehem. A lesson from Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This is God's word. a child, yet here the Lord sent an angel to Mary to tell her that she would be the mother of the Savior, God's love to us. A lesson from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is God's word. When Joseph heard that Mary was expecting a child and it was not Joseph's, what did that do to their love? There was distance there. But God, in his love, 
told Joseph what was going on and God's love here in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is God's word. she thinking going with him sometimes love confuses us and all the more here in this lesson from John chapter 3 what did God see in the world a world full of sinners yet in his great love he sent us a savior for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is God's word.
Please stand for the Gospel from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the newborn King. Amen. God's word we focus on in the sermon today is just the first seven verses of the Gospel from Luke chapter 2. This year, the Christmas travel is projected to be as high as it's been in the last 20 years. 115 million Americans are projected to travel at least 50 miles over this Christmas holiday break. Now in our area, thankfully, we haven't had much ice or snow yet, but depending on where people are going and where they're traveling, there could be wintry weather, heavy traffic, or expensive tolls. And then for those who are flying, the airfares have soared this year, higher than much of the rest of inflation. And there's always the joys of flight delays and cancellations and luggage not arriving where it was supposed to. Yet, amid the travel, there's always the hope of warmer weather or making warm memories with family. As we journey through our lives, this gospel account from Luke chapter 2 has so much more to say to you and me about hardships and happiness as we're traveling for Christmas. First, we'll hear about a forced march, and then about a free ride. So this census went out to the entire Roman world from Caesar Augustus. The Roman world was a vast empire. There were probably about 45 million people in the Roman Empire at the time of Caesar Augustus, and it was a huge expanse of land too, about two million square miles. You can imagine how many people were packing and preparing and making plans for traveling, and how many layers of government officials this census decree needed to make its way down to the different territories and the different provinces and the different cities. Now, the Roman roads were pretty well built, 
But with all those people hitting the road, no doubt there would have been slowdowns and backups with the traffic too. At a time when everyone was traveling and there was a high demand for lodging, food on the go, and supplies for traveling, no doubt the prices shot up as well. Everyone looking to get ahead somehow. As people were traveling around for this census, no doubt there were thieves and robbers lying in wait for unsuspecting travelers. For most, this was not really a Christmas vacation traveling. This was a forced march. Any resistance would be met with brutal force by the Roman military. Think of it. All these people traveling around, going to their own hometown just so that they'd be counted for a census for tax purposes. For those foreigners who came in, conquered their land, now were occupying it, and they wanted them to pay. Can you imagine all the grumbling along the roads? How expensive this is. How inconvenient this was. How humbling it is. And, especially to add insult to injury for the Jews, the Israelites, they took great pride in being God's chosen people, descendants of Abraham, not slaves of anyone, and heirs of the promised land. And now to have this humiliation of going around each to their hometowns for this census. It might have been kind of how, how Wisconsinites feel when they have to drive through Chicago. Not only is there crazy drivers and all kinds of traffic backups, but you have to pay for that white-knuckle experience. Yet, along with everyone else, Mary and Joseph, they set out in humble obedience to God's representatives, the Roman government, Think of how difficult that forced march was for Mary, who was well along in her pregnancy. Think about Joseph and all that must have been on his mind. How am I going to be able to provide for my bride as she's about to give birth, going through her first childbirth? And how that could be a long and difficult experience as they made that probably five-day journey from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, it would have been a steady decline, and then near the end, a steep ascent, heading on up, getting to their hometown of Bethlehem. But they made the forced march, and they arrived in Bethlehem because that's where they were from, from the house and line of David. Yet as we read these words of the forced march through the census, we've actually all been part of a forced march. From the time that you and I were born. And it all goes back to our hometown. We're from the house and line of Adam, back in Eden. Adam took the worst detour ever, ignoring the Lord's directions, veering away from his loving God, and he was driven out of Eden. Ever since then, you and I have been stuck on this forced march through a sin-cursed world. Not at the decree of a Roman emperor, but the prince of this world directing traffic day after day, all the corruption, the greed, the violence, all the immorality, the theft, the grumbling about God and how he's constantly getting in the way of what I want to do with my life and what I want to say. From the time we were born, this was a forced march. We couldn't not sin. Yet this month, you and I each have gone down the same old paths. And the worst part of it is we weren't forced. So often we do this of our own will, of our own choosing. 
Where do those paths lead? Not to a charming, glowing little village of Bethlehem, but they're a broad road to deepest darkness and to death. What a forced march this is. But there was one person who traveled to this world under no compulsion, freely, gladly, willingly, Jesus. And the scriptures foretold this. The scriptures talk about this in Psalm 40. Here I am. I have come. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Or Isaiah 49. He formed me in the womb to be his servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to be a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Or Matthew chapter 20. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came into this world, not forced, but willingly. And there on that journey to Bethlehem, he was along for the ride as a complete human. When Mary and Joseph advanced another hundred yards, Jesus did too. When they stopped for a rest stop, Jesus got no closer to Bethlehem than they did. When they crossed a river or went over a hill or around a mountain, Jesus was with them along for the ride, fully human, just as human as you and I are. And when Jesus was born, Jesus was born of Mary, just as you and I have a mother too. Just as you and I need a place for rest and sleep, Jesus was laid in a manger. Just as you and I humans need clothing for warmth, Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth. Just as you and I as children needed parents to tend to us, Jesus needed Mary and Joseph to feed him, to hold him, and to clean him when he got messy. Jesus was along for the ride as a human. And Jesus was also born underneath the census. Jesus was born counted as an inhabitant of the Roman Empire. He was born to honor the representatives that God had given. Jesus was born under a higher law, though. He was born under God's law. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who are under the law. Romans 5 reminds us, just as through the sin of one man, sin came to all, so as through the obedience of one man, the many were made righteous. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says that because of God, we are in Christ, who is our wisdom, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Jesus never walked down paths of abuse or neglect or excess. He ran in straight paths, fully human, as our substitute. Jesus never dishonored the government. He never grumbled about having to obey. Rather, he publicly preached obedience to God and honoring God's representatives through paying taxes. Jesus never went down roads of dishonest dealing. Rather, he gave to those who were in need and fed those who were hungry. Throughout his entire life, Jesus did this, from birth to death, from the beginning of his life here until he said, it is finished, and he did this for you so that you would know where you're headed as you travel this Christmas and as you journey through life. You're headed not to Bethlehem, but to the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, to the mansion where there is a room for you, prepared for you by Jesus. As people went on that forced march, as they went to their hometowns to be counted, then they would find out 
how much they would have to pay as part of the tax. You and I, we still have taxes to pay, but our debt is covered. It's taken care of with the Lord. Jesus, fully human, our substitute also paid so that you and I have a free ride to God. He exchanged our guilt for his holiness, his perfection for our sin. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus was born during a census of the Roman world so that you and I get to be citizens of heaven. Jesus, the firstborn of Mary, so that you and I are born again as children of God. Jesus, born without a home, so that you and I have a home with God forever. As we travel for Christmas and as we journey through life, we have a free ride to peace, joy, and love that can never be taken away from us with our God, from Jesus. And then during the holidays, oftentimes people feel alone. If you had been Mary, would you have felt alone when you came back to Nazareth and it came out that you were expecting a child before you were married? If you had been Joseph, finding out that the love of your life, the woman you're going to be married to, was pregnant and you weren't the father, would you have felt alone? Or if you had been Mary and Joseph, leaving all of the suspicious and disappointed glances in Nazareth, headed down to Bethlehem, where no one was there to welcome you into their home, would you have felt alone? Yet then Jesus was born. And those tiny little hands wrapped around Mary and Joseph's fingers, that baby breath blowing on their necks and on their cheeks, and that little face scrunched and then smiling up at them, they were not alone. Jesus was with them. And for you too, as you travel through this Christmas, you are not alone. Jesus is with you. Whether it's loneliness you feel from a loved one's death, or from the damp and dark weather, or from a mess that sin has made in your life, you are not alone. Jesus is born. He's your Savior. He has taken away your sin and given you peace and joy and hope and life that will never be taken away from you. He was born for you as we travel this Christmas. Usually when we travel over the holidays, we're gone for a day, maybe a few days or a week at the most, and then we come back. We come back from our trip. Mary and Joseph, they're in Bethlehem, they actually stuck around a while, likely well over a year. They made their home with Jesus there. I'm not sure where you'll go and where you'll travel after worship today, but may Jesus make his home with you. May he rule in your hearts with his peace, and may he dwell richly in your homes with his word. Wherever you travel this Christmas or journey through life, amen. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, amen. Continue with the solo.
Please stand for prayer. O God, who makes us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only Son, Jesus Christ, grant that we, as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, so may we also behold him with sure confidence when he shall come to be our Judge, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May he who by his incarnation gathered all things earthly and heavenly into one fill us with such joy that comes with the knowledge of the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Please be seated. Just a reminder as you light the candles here, please do not tip a lighted candle tip the unlit candle in order to light the other one.
Thank you so much for attending our Christmas Eve service here at St. Paul's. I'm so thankful to the Lord for you and for all of our volunteers and musicians this evening as well. On your way out tonight, please return the bulletin unless you plan to use it later. Um, our ushers will be happy to take those from you so that the worshipers in the next service can, have, can use some of them. And on your way out, please be careful. Let's let those who are seated over near the main gym doors leave first, and uh, so that way no one accidentally trips or anything like that. Are there any other announcements that should be highlighted tonight? Ah, Christmas Day worship down in our sanctuary at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Anything else? If not, please greet one another before you leave, and God's richest blessings on the rest of your Christmas Eve.